Hello everyone, and welcome to Novelty from the North Situate Library. I'm your host, Catherine, and every month I review a couple of books and give you a look behind the shelves at the secret and sometimes maybe not very scandalous lives of library workers. Today, I'm reviewing The Factory Witches of Lowell by C.S. Malarick. The Factory Witches of Lowell is a historical fantasy about girls working in the mills of Lowell, Massachusetts in the 19th century. They are striking for fair wages, hours, and working conditions. And to keep everyone in the Factory Girls Union of Lowell true, they use a little magic. Just a little bit. The leaders of the union are Judith, who is an experienced organizer, and Hannah, who has a natural gift for magic that has haunted and helped her all her life. Once again, this book tempted me by being very, very short. Plus, labor movements and witchcraft are both special interests of mine. At first, I was a little nervous to pick up a book about Lowell. I thought that I might end up reading about the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire, which is a little too traumatic for my current reading tastes. But fear not, this book takes place much earlier in the history of Lowell, back before the Civil War. And yes, that means it's still a bit heavy. For such a short book, it has a very thorough understanding of the stratified society driving the economic system of the time. It depicts the wealthy owners in Boston, Mr. Boot, their middle-class mill manager in Lowell, the workers, and the slaves. It doesn't even hesitate to make the connection between the fact that spinning cotton picked by slaves is what's making the rich even richer, including in the North. One negative that I'd like to mention I think that the brevity of the book actually hurt my experience a little. It could just be pandemic brain fog, but I could not keep the characters straight. All of the 19th century women's names kept getting twisted in my head. Judith, Hannah, Lucy, Abigail. I don't know why, but it was rough. I felt like I needed a list. Who's the witch? Who's the charismatic leader? Who's the one foreshadowed to turn against the Union? I never got a chance to settle into the characters, and that made it a little bit difficult to read. On the whole, however, I enjoyed it. It was kind of like a spell in itself. It was a little twisty and dreamlike, mixing history and fantasy on every page. I loved the way that Malarik built the rules of magic in this world, where herbalism is something one can learn by rote, but also somebody can just have the sight, which is both a blessing and a curse. I also really appreciated the book's understanding of the history of manufacturing and of ownership in a time of chattel slavery. The Factory Girls Union's work ends up being not just about getting fair wages, but also removing a level of alienation they have from the manufacturing process. The library has The Factory Witches of Lowell available in print, and as an audiobook through the E-Zone, as you like it. I recommend it to historical fiction and fantasy fans alike, especially if you're interested in mutual aid and labor movements. The Factory Witches of Lowell isn't the only thing I read this month. I like to give some airtime to any books that I don't have time or words to give a full review. This month, I also read How to Keep House While Drowning by Casey Davis. 
I discovered Davis and her website, strugglecare.com, through TikTok, where she posts videos about her philosophy for chores, which she calls care tasks. If you ever struggle to get your chores done, whether it's just out of frustration because it seems like there's always dirty dishes and laundry, or because you have depression or ADHD or a physical disability, I strongly recommend checking out this book or visiting the Struggle Care website. That's it for books, but I'd like to give a little note on adult programs this month as well. In April, we have a really great set of financial literacy programs for Money Smart Week. Brian Schmeling from Thrivent will be teaching classes on budgeting, identity theft, and more. Brian is a member of the library board and does really great programs for us every month. Money Smart Week is the week of April 12th, and I'd love to see you there. This is Miss Elise. I hope everyone's having a great March and getting ready for the spring. I just wanted to let you know what's happening for kiddos and teens. We have a lot of fun stuff coming up in the next couple of months. But first, I want to tell you about a great book I just read. The name of the book is The Cousins, and it's by Karen McManus, who has written some other teen books you may have heard of, including One of Us is Lying and One of Us is Next. Cousins Millie, Aubrey, and Jonah barely know each other until they each receive a letter inviting them to work at their estranged grandmother's island resort for the summer. They had never met their reclusive and wealthy grandmother Mildred's story before. Years before they were born, she had disinherited all their parents by sending them a letter from her lawyer which said, You know what you did. All of their parents claim to not know what caused them to be disinherited and banned from the family home on Gull Cove Island. In hopes of getting back in Mildred's good graces, Millie, Aubrey, and Jonah are sent by their parents to work at the resort for the summer. But when they arrive, their grandmother goes out of her way to avoid them, and they start to realize that there is much more to the story than they've been told. Will Millie, Jonah, and Aubrey finally learn the family secrets once and for all? And will they survive the summer? The Cousins was a really good mystery book. It had a lot of twists and turns along the way, and I would highly recommend it for both teen and adults who like mysteries or are big fans of Karen McManus. It was a really good book, so definitely check it out. Um, We have it at the library. It's in the YA section, and it's a new book. So we have lots of exciting things coming up at the library. First, I'd like to let you know about an opportunity for teens that need to earn community service. Um, You can earn community service just for writing book reviews. They don't have to be very long. Just write a little bit about the plot and what you thought of it. You can send me your reviews at alice, A-L-Y-C-E, at situatelibrary.org. And I'll also post them on our social media and website. So if you've read any good books, write a review and earn some community service hours. So although March is almost over, we still have a couple of programs, including a kids yoga for ages three to nine. Um, You can join me for some mindfulness and movement on Wednesday, March 24th on Zoom. You can find the registration link on our website, situatelibrary.org, under events. Um, It's a really fun program. It gets kids moving and um, 
gets them kind of relaxed and just to stay in the moment, to learn to stay in the moment, which um, I think we all kind of need right now. <laughs> and during April vacation, we are finally going to have an in-person outdoor program at the gazebo across the street from the library. So we will hope for nice weather. Um, you can come join us for a cool Earth Day craft. You make a reusable tote bag using just duct tape and an empty bird seed bag. This fun recycling craft will take place on Wednesday, April 21st at 12. The rain date will be Friday, April 23rd at 12. If you want to come, we just ask that you wear your mask for safety. We are requiring registration for this program, just so we'll have an idea of how many materials we'll need. You can sign up at the library or call 647-5133, and my extension is 103, or you can email me at elise at situatelibrary.org if you'd like to sign up that way. Um, I hope to see you there, and I wish all of you a happy spring. Hopefully we are in store for lots of sunshine coming up, and I will see you soon. Okay, bye. Now for our little peek behind the shelves. I don't have anything to report from the cookbook club this month because club didn't happen. A bunch of people lost power in Situate right at the worst possible time. Not that there's a good time to lose power. But anyway, with so many people unable to connect, we just put it off until next time. I'm very sorry to hold you in suspense, dear listener. However, there is no lack of tea this month regardless. Jen and Megan both work at a big, busy library with a large staff, a big building and grounds, some branches, lots of resources. I'm not going to say which one for the sake of privacy. A few weeks ago, there was notice in the staff room from their board talking about how an auditor from CDB Industries would be arriving at the library soon. He was here to help the board and administration see how well the library was managing changes in the way they work due to the pandemic, and to increase their performance and productivity. Or, as Jen put it, they're hiring someone to come in, do staff evaluations, and probably lay people off. She is, I will have to say, furious, but also determined to kill this auditor with kindness. The auditor who we've taken to calling Gary Industries instead of whatever his actual last name is, arrived last week. As we suspected, he is immediately shadowing staff members, asking annoying questions, and scheduling what he calls evaluation engagements to talk with everyone about their jobs. He's strangely pompous. He dresses like he thinks Jesse Thorne's fashion blog is some sort of holy writ, so on the hipster side of formal and extremely overdressed compared to the library workers. I should mention that I know all this because I met him when I went to drop something off for Jen, and his personality seems to match the style. As I approached Jen's desk, I saw two guys standing nearby, she and the others, all in a social distancing triangle. At first, I assumed that Gary was a patron and the other man was a co-worker because He was looking at Gary with the same customer service smile as Jen, but it turns out it was the other way around. Jen had been talking to the patron about DRM, and Gary pushed his way into the conversation and was monologuing about the great financial harm of digital piracy. 
When they realized I was waiting, Jen introduced me to both of them, Gary and the patron, Danny. He seemed really pleasant, despite his conversation being twice interrupted. On her break, Jen told me that they've been chatting for a few weeks, and if it wasn't way against every personal and professional rule she holds dear, she'd be seriously thinking about asking him out. They always find something interesting to talk about, and share a lot of book recommendations. Spring has sprung, apparently, my friends. I think we all need to get out of these libraries more. Anyway, back to the point. Gary is going to be working his way slowly from department to department, and the environment in the building is even more dismal than pandemic normal. Megan, who is not hiding her frustration at all, does a really great impression of him. Oh, I would love to be a librarian and have time for reading again. (laughs) Hers is better. He's heading to the reference department next, so Jen invited him to the next cookbook club as an example of superb virtual programming for adults. She's also hoping that he'll appreciate that it's a collaboration between libraries. New guy Bill is going to be under multiple kinds of scrutiny, it seems. This month's cookbook is Cook With Me by Alex Gornicelli. I had never heard of this chef, but I brought it home to cries of, oh, that's my favorite chef from Chopped. So here we have another celebrity chef. Cook With Me has a lot of really good recipes that I would try if I had more time. It has corn fritters, black pepper crusted roast beef, a dish called chicken paprikash's tomatoey cousin, lots of great soups, and a few very tempting desserts. The recipe I sampled this month was sheet pan blackened salmon with garlicky kale by request of my housemate. I'm not completely sure what their obsession with Cajun spices is, but I will say that this dish was extremely tasty and simple. I like sheet pan recipes that actually give a lot of thought to the processes and ingredients. So often, you'll find just a bunch of stuff dumped onto a pan and you cross your fingers that it works out. But this one was well considered. The kale was more like kale chips than a traditional side, but I'm a big fan. A small thing that I really loved about the book was a paragraph about confidence in the kitchen. Gornicelli says that confidence is the most important ingredient of all, to trust your senses, especially touch and smell, and not to be afraid to experiment and make mistakes. I think that a lot of people go into the kitchen thinking that everything has to be perfect right away, but really, I've been cooking for over 25 years, and I know it's a constant learning process. Something that I thought was a bit inconsistent about the book were the food pics. The pictures were lovely, but some dishes had no picture, and some had several. The salmon dish we ended up eating had a main picture of the plated dish, plus a two-page spread of the meal still on the sheet pan, but there was no picture of the whole roasted fish, which seems extra weird because a whole fish is all about presentation. And then when it comes to chicken paprikash's tomatoey cousin, I would really like to see what this Hungarian-Italian fusion should look like. When I cook a dish out of a cookbook, I like to know what I'm aiming for, And it seems like a silly thing that I keep saying in reviews, but it's important to my understanding of what the recipe wants from me. Overall, I think that this book is really beautiful and has some good recipes. If you like taking time to read cookbooks, definitely check it out. But if you just need some recipes, it might be better to look up Gornicelli's recipes online. The book is kind of big and clunky for working in the kitchen. 
Thank you for listening to Novel Tea. Please note that the opinions in this podcast are my own and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoint of the North Situate Public Library. The Behind the Shelf segment is a work of fiction, and any similarities to real people is unintentional. I'm including links to all of the books we discussed in the show notes, as well as a link to a transcript of the episode and to all of our social media. If you can't get enough library content, visit situatelibrary.org to learn about all of our services and programs. Also, please send us feedback on the show. Leave us reviews wherever you can do that, or even just drop us an email. I'm at Catherine at situatelibrary.org, and Elise is Elise at situatelibrary.org. We'd love to hear from you.